This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been doing a series on security measures. We've been talking about uh, the armor of God. We've been talking about, really, in effect, what is spiritual warfare. So let's continue that. I want, I want to get over into a little bit tonight because we're going to talk about the shield of faith. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a, a counteraction to all the, all the fear that's being pumped out on us right now. And so there is a shield of faith. We can, we can utilize that. And so this is something that will help. So let's take a moment and pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll go through that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and thank you, Father, that we can come, we can learn, we can receive from you. Thank you, Father, for open hearts, open minds. I ask that you would use me to speak your word boldly, accurately, clearly. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the teacher, and that he helps us learn and understand. So, Father, thank you. As we leave here tonight, we'll leave here different, stronger than how we came in. We believe we'll receive good things from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 6 has been, our, has been our text. We've been looking at this and around this. Ephesians 6, I will read verses 10 through 13. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. You know, one of the things that we have seen is that right now that the world is very conscious of a virus that's unseen. And so people are very conscious. They're doing different things. They're changing. I, like I said tonight, just out of, out of respect to some people who are, are a bit spooked by this, instead of shaking hands, 80% of it, is, they say, is transmitted through hands. And so people are a bit spooked, but they're very aware of, I mean, even everyone's aware of a virus right now. But we are surrounded yet, the Bible said that we're wrestling not with just flesh and blood, but there are spiritual things we're dealing with. And the idea is we also have to be aware, be aware spiritually, even though we can't see it. So we're living in a realm, we, we can't see these things, but Paul said, this is really what we're wrestling with, and this is what we have to stand against. And so he was talking to the church at Ephesus. Please keep in mind that this passage is at the, the very end of a, of a letter that he wrote this church, and he wrote them a lot of things about what God had done for them, what Jesus had already accomplished for them, who they were because of their relationship with Christ. And so you get all of these, these what, what, what the Bible calls positional truths in, and these are facts. So he didn't start off with spiritual warfare. He gets to that at the very end, keeping in mind that they've already read that they've been redeemed or, or bought back. They've already read that they've been forgiven, already read of what God had done for them. So you've got all this, this strength they're hearing, and then he says, all right, now be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He begins to go into it. Then we begin to talk about the armor of God. And the armor of God... And the reason that we need it, Ephesians, this, Ephesians 6, 14 and 15. So it says, stand therefore having girded your waist or put around your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod or put on your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
Well, again, this is insight into what strategies the enemy uses in our life. Belt of truth, God's words, God's spirit. It's called the spirit of truth. It's to stand against lies and deception. So if we need truth around us, that means that, that the protection is against lies and deception that's out there. Second Timothy, fourth chapter, Paul is writing the church. Do we have that one, guys? Here it is. I'm sorry, first Timothy. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I actually talked about this Sunday a bit, that deception is out there. And big deceptions out there. You know, one of the deceptions is that there is no God. The atheists have become very vocal about that. There is no God. They don't believe in God. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's very sad when you really stop and think about it. Because what you've done is put your, your limited intelligence up against the creator of the universe. And so when you start hearing that stuff, I don't care how smart or how, I, how I, I IQ, how high an IQ they have. <laughs> oh, what are y'all laughing at? I mean, you... you <laughs> It's because I can't either spell IQ doesn't mean I don't know what I'm talking about. So, so the, the idea is this. When you start hearing that, you need to understand that's the deception. We do know this. The Bible said in the very last days, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And so you, you want to do it ahead of time. Avoid the rush. <laughs> but here's, here's the deal too. Here's, I've heard this said before. I think it's a very strong statement. If you can believe the first, if you can believe the very first verse in the Bible, then the rest of it should be no problem. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can buy into that, then the rest of this is going to be no brainer, not a problem. So the deception, there is no God. The deception that, that God's not real, the deception will prove. People say, well, I can't see him. I can't feel him. <laughs> Don't go there. There's a lot of things you can't see and feel. But doesn't mean, like, I heard someone say, you can't see and feel your brain, but you believe it's there. <laughs> Some of you are thinking right now, I have relatives that, no, no, don't, no, no. <laughs> Second one is, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Why do we need that? Well, to stand against the sense of condemnation and unworthiness. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified or made just, made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Righteousness. Why do we need a breastplate of righteousness? Constant sense of, of the enemies constantly trying to put condemnation and a sense of unworthiness on people. That's, what you, that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy. That you don't count. That you're not worthy enough. You're not good enough. Well, none of us were good enough. It was Jesus who made us worthy. Being justified by faith. We, we made, when we made him our Lord, we got made worthy. This guy, you just got adopted into the family. You didn't do this on your own. And so all your goodness doesn't really measure up. All my goodness doesn't measure up. You don't know anybody's good enough. So Jesus was good enough. We accepted him. And the Bible said we have right standing with God. That means we are in right standing with him. Just like you understand how your family has right standing with you. You have little children, they don't have to beg you to eat. When your little children come in, they don't have to earn food. I hope not. <laughs> they come in, they have a sense of right standing with you. I, I laugh when my, when my family comes over to our house. 
They don't even ask me if they can go in the refrigerator. They don't even ask me if they can eat. The, you know, I, I have to hide food. Oh, don't. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you've ever had teenage boys in the house, you know you've got to hide food. Hollow leg people, they just eat like there's, like there's no tomorrow. So I, you, I used to hide all my favorite stuff. Because so, but, they don't ask. They just walk in there and start eating. They have a sense of righteousness. The last one we talked about was, was last week. We talked about the shoes of peace. And the, the shoes of peace, the preparation of the, of the gospel of peace. I never understood that one until I really dug into it a little bit further. And really what it's talking about is peace is a firm foundation for your feet. The word peace is the same as the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom is a big word. It implies uh, goodness, welfare, health, prosperity of every good kind. Shalom, big word. So we talked about a sense of peace, that we have peace, that we have peace because we've been reconciled to God. Once again, we did not do that. That was done when we made Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you understand? That's what grace is all about. Grace is a free gift. It's God's free gift. When you accepted him, you got everything that came with it. If you go to work for a company right now, if you work for a good company, they have what they, have what they call a benefit package. When you go to work there, they say, hey, we're so glad that you came to work here. We want to tell you about our benefit package. I've never seen anyone. We have a benefit package here that I want for staff. I've never had a single staff person go, no, nope, I don't need any benefits. <laughs> Pastor, it's just an honor to work for you. <laughs> no, they're like, what? usually they ask that before we hire them. What is the benefit package? When you made Jesus Christ your Lord, you didn't just get heaven when you die, which is a good benefit. But there's other benefits associated with that. And you have a sense of his peace and a sense of his wellness and your health and blessings on your life. That's good. It's a good benefit package. You want, you want to, listen, I, I don't know about you, I don't want to get to heaven and find out that there was a whole lot of benefits I didn't take advantage of. You know, the Bible said in heaven, he's going to wipe away every tear. I wonder if that's some of the tears. Oh, this is what you could have had? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, it's like winning the lottery ticket and, and throwing the ticket away. It'll make you cry. All right. So we talked about shoes of peace. I want to jump into, because, because of time, I want to talk about the shield of faith tonight. And um, I, 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 want to, I want to tie it in a little bit to, to some of the things that we're dealing with. Ephesians 6.16, more of this armor of God. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Very interesting, when, when Paul was writing this, the word he used for shield was the Roman uh, shield, it was huge. It was, like a, it was like the shape of a door. It would cover your whole body. And it was made out of layers. They would layer leather. And they would layer sometimes six layers of leather. You know how you take full grain leather and it, it can be very tough. And you labor, you just layer six of them together, extremely tough. And so it, it, would, it would quench all the fiery darts. They wouldn't fiery darts. They actually used to use in these days, they would have arrows, some of the arrows were actually hollow, filled with flammable liquid, and when they would hit something, they would explode and light things on fire. And so one of the things that what, they, what the Romans would do, uh, 
Sometimes they would take these shields and they would, before they would go into battle, they'd soak them with water. So they had to be heavy. But as you go in, you get, you get a, a, one of those incendiary arrows that hit it, it would extinguish it. And so these, shield, these shields are very serious. And so you had that shield. So you'd soak that shield with water. Now, maybe you know with leather, you got to keep leather moist. And a Roman soldier would often, on a daily basis, they would rub down their shields with oil. So it's very interesting. He said, shields had to be maintained. Your faith has to be maintained. It still needs the oil of the, of the Spirit and the Word of God to keep it functioning. But it said it's able to quench all the fiery darts. What are the fiery darts? What, what comes at your heart? What comes at your mind? What comes at your emotions? What comes at your body? Have you ever been just having a, a, a good day and somebody said something and man, it just hit you? And you're just like, oh. Maybe it brought back up an old memory or brought back an old pain or something that just was really difficult for you and it just hit your heart. And then you had to deal with that for the rest of the day. But there's a way that, that Paul said that, that we, could, we, we could have a shield that when those darts come, they don't hit home. Now listen to me. A shield of faith, he never said a shield of faith will keep the fiery darts from coming. He said it'll just stop them when they do. Sometimes people get the idea that, man, if I, I'm going I'm to live for God, everything's going to be wonderful. No. No. You're going to have challenges. We live in a world, we just read, we, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We live in a world, there's some, there's some man, we got, we, got, we got spiritual forces, so we got, a, we got an enemy. There, there's a Satan, so I don't believe in him. He believes in you. Uh, we, got, we have a, a, a Satan, we have a, a curse that's in the earth, and we have crazy people. <laughs> so it, it's, you say, well, when's that all going to be over? When we get to heaven. But until then, we need armor and the shield of faith, but instead it's able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All the fiery darts. Now, I'm going to give you the definition of faith, and then I want to do something tonight a little different. I'm going to veer off a little bit, but let me give you the definition of faith. And Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I read that for a long time. It's a little bit blind to me. So let me, let me give you a couple of other ones. It says, faith is of things hoped for or expected, a confidence of matters not seen, a conviction. The Amplified says, faith perceiving is a real fact what's not revealed to the senses. So faith deals with things we can't see and feel, but we believe. So as most of us have never seen a vision of Jesus, but we believe. We believe he was born of a virgin. We believe he lived and grew up. We believe he was, lived a sinless, spotless life. We believe he died on the cross, and three days later, we believe God raised him from the dead. I haven't seen that, but I believe that. And believing that, that's faith. We just simply believe that. Now, we're, we're dealing right now, and I, I, I want to talk about this a little bit. We're dealing right now with this, this fear of a virus. And... I mean, we can go into all the, all the, the risks associated with it. But right now, I'm, I'm telling you, they're, they're pumping a lot of fear our way about this virus. Our, I don't think the media's motive is ever to comfort anybody. I think their, their thing is to get clicks. And, 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 to, and 
for some reason, we, we, we tend as humans, we, we tend to focus on fear and fearful things, and we read it. I read, you know, I saw it, I didn't click on it, but I read some said, a patient describes what it's like to have the virus. Seriously? Why? Why do we need to know that? But why do we need to have that? But the problem is that people start to become afraid. And then, and then people start, and fear. Fear is not of God, period. So how in the world do, how, how in the world do we use a shield of faith against something like this? Because I don't believe we have to walk down here without God's help. And I don't believe we have to walk down here afraid of a virus. Say, so, well, Alan, you had everyone fist bump tonight. I didn't say, listen, run smart, don't run scared. Run smart. Use, use, use your head. If someone's coughing directly in your face, move away from them. <laughs> Just run smart. Wash your hands. Use wisdom. I didn't say we had, we, we can't, people say, I'm going to believe God and not use wisdom. No, use wisdom. Use wisdom, but let's also use faith in the middle of this. Say, yes. so, well, how, how, thank you, Alan. How am I going to do that? I'm glad you asked. There's a great, there's a great verse. You, you know, we, we, at the beginning of the year, we did Psalms 23. Anybody do that with us for you? You spoke Psalms 23? That's a blessing. That's so wonderful. And then a, a lot of us did the Lord's Prayer. Any of you do the Lord's Prayer? So I, actually, I actually prescribe those for people. They're like, man, I'm just, I'm just so nervous. I say, hey, Psalms 23, read it, speak it. Do it. Now I got another, how about a good protection psalm? You ready for that? I got one for you. Well, it's not mine. I didn't write it. It's Psalms 91. Take a look at this for a second. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. Now stop right there. I will say of the Lord. This is what we need to be saying. Not, oh dear God, we're all going to get the virus and die. <laughs> I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Now catch, catch this. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Coronavirus. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the air that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you've made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, here we go. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion, the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I'll set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me in trouble and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, now here's, the, here's the thought. Say, so Alan, where does the shield part come in? Well, 
here's the first thing I would, I would encourage you to do, especially, especially if this is bothering you. Even if it's not bothering you, it's a good idea. Just why don't you for the, about the next 30 to 60 days and just have a time in the morning where you read Psalms 91 out loud. Or you just take that and read it out loud. So uh, why don't... Uh, that's effort. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, it didn't say lay down on the shield of faith. It said take up the shield of faith. So, so there's effort involved. So here's one of the things, here's one of the things you want to do. L listen to me on this one. Faith is in our heart and in our mouth. Don't let fear get in your mouth on this. I'm just afraid. I'm just afraid my kids are going to get this. I'm just afraid. I'm just afraid. That's not helping you. That's not helping you at all. I will say, the Lord is my refuge. You've got something to say about this. So you can take, so Alan, you know, they're saying that it's coming to America and they say it's coming to us and they're saying, they're saying, they're saying, okay, they are saying, that's fine. I'm not saying you deny that. What I'm saying is there's a higher truth that's higher than, than that, that word. You, you have to determine what you're going to focus in on. You can focus on the fear and it can absolutely drive you that you'll be so isolated you won't even come out of your house. You say, well, oh, no, that's, no, that's happened to people left and right over and over again. Or you can begin to take it and say, God, I trust you and I'm going to stand on your word. I trust you. I trust that no, that no plague will come near my dwelling. Are you all here or are you quiet? It, it, and maybe this is different. Maybe, maybe you've never heard this before. But we don't just pick up the Bible and read it and go, man, that's a nice psalm. It's very poetic. It's pretty. Soothing. No, it's, it's, it's life and reality. And, and when we take it and go, this is what I'm going to believe. Say, well, Alan, what if, what, if, what if you speak the 91st Psalm and you still get sick? <laughs> what if you don't? I mean, if we're going to play what ifs, what if we don't? And so here's what I'd rather do. I'd rather step boldly into the dark with my shield of faith than hide under a rock waiting for something bad to happen to me. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. And so, listen, this isn't, this isn't going to hurt you just to simply read the 91st Psalm. If you, have, if you have little ones, I'd read it with my kids. And I'd speak that over my children. I said, no evil. Darling, no evil is going to befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. One of the things we talk about, I talk about the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. I believe angels are encamped around me and my family and deliver them. So oh, I don't even believe in angels. I don't even care if you don't believe in angels. I believe in angels and it's my family that I'm... <laughs> you understand? I'm not trying to be harsh here, but you know, people want to, they want to argue. It's like, no, this is good news. Yes. The, the shield of faith, which, which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And now I'm just telling you, how do I put up the shield of faith? Because you can't, you can't see any shield to pick up. So, but you can see this yes. and you can read this. And, and I promise you, reading this is going to bless you a whole lot more than the Drudge Report. Yes. <laughs> or National Enquirer. Or whatever you read. Well, y'all are quiet tonight. I, I would have thought you'd have been, yee-haw, Alan, thank you for showing us this. 
Oh, okay. Well, just a thought. Here, let, let, let me, uh, as we talk about, gosh, if, if we talk about faith, there's no way. You do, you do know there's no way we can talk about the whole faith thing in like one, one thing. It's, you can't. But let me give you just a quick story tonight. I'm going to show it. I'll, I'll start it and I'll see if I can finish it. Jesus came to Cana of Galilee where he'd made the water wine. There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea and Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. As he was going, now going down, his servants met him and told him, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. They said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Let me just give you a great picture of faith right here. Man had a son who was about to die. He was a rich man, nobleman. Had a son who was about to die. He heard that Jesus was in Cana. He lived in Capernaum. He's 16 plus miles away. So he gets either on a donkey or he gets, or he's hoofing it, but he's walking 16 miles to get to Jesus. And he comes to Jesus because he hears that Jesus is a healer. Now this guy, this nobleman, you got to like this idea about this guy. He's got a little bit of boldness about him. Maybe it's because he was a rich guy. But he asked Jesus, he said, sir, I need you to come down and heal my son. He's asking Jesus to walk 16 miles back to his house to heal his son. I mean, that, that, that took a little bit of courage. I mean, no, there's so many people that are like, oh, Jesus, I, I, I don't want to bother you. No, this, this guy had a son who was dying. And so he was adamant. He's like, Jesus, I need you to come home with me and heal my, my son. 16, where is it? It's just 16 miles that way. Okay. And Jesus looked at him and said something that at face value, you might have been offended. Unless you see something, you're not going to believe. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. Now listen, I love how this guy responds. He could have gone, well, well, I guess if you're not going to come. He didn't bat an eye. He just said, sir, come down or my son's going to die. And Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, go your way. Your son lives. What is said next is so powerful. He said, the man believed the word that Jesus said to him. And he went his way. So he sees Jesus look at him and go, go your way. Your son's alive. Didn't do anything. Nothing elaborate. He just gives him a word. And you know what, Jesus, you know what this guy does? He turns around and leaves. He believed the word that Jesus said to him. Guys, right here is one of the keys. I read the 91st Psalm to you guys tonight. Now, I've read that Psalm before, and, and, I've, and over the years, I've just been accustomed to taking God's word and making it personal. But if you take his word and make it a personal word to you, see, he believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. Sometimes people are trying to believe the word that Jesus spoke to their favorite preacher. We're trying to believe the word that Jesus spoke to their, to their mother-in-law because she's a really wonderful Christian. You've got to take God's word and, and, and take it for yourself. And so when you take the 91st Psalm, that's not Alan's Psalm. That's not just David's Psalm. 
That becomes your song. Lord, this is your word to me. He listened to what Jesus said. He turned around and just, he, he turned around and went his way. Now, he's, he's going down. The next day, he meets his servants coming. So evidently, Jesus spoke, and then he's, he didn't find out about it until the next day. How many of you think that he probably had to deal with some fiery, dark thoughts between the time that Jesus said, go your way, your son is healed, and the time that the servants ran up and said, your son's alive. And the guy said, when? He said, well, yesterday at the seventh hour. And he said, well, it's the same time that Jesus said it. But he didn't see it. So how many fiery darts do you think he has to deal with? You spent the night, you wake up in the morning, I bet a thought came to him, your son died and you weren't even there to be with him. You're walking down that road and here comes a thought, you should have brought Jesus. Jesus didn't come with you. Your son is dead. That's how the enemy works. Fiery darts, guys, fiery darts often are coming in the way of thoughts, negative thoughts, powerful thoughts. How many of you know this guy had to, he had to keep walking and he had to keep going. What was he walking and going on? What was his shield of faith? Jesus said, he's alive. Jesus said, he's alive. Fiery dart comes. Jesus said, he's alive. Listen, we have to have the shield of faith. We have to have something to combat when the thoughts come. God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. If you just disappeared tomorrow, nobody would care. You better have an answer for that. And an answer for that is, he who did not spare, if God is for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up from, from us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He didn't spare Jesus. How will he not freely give us all things? When the thought comes, you're going you're gonna to die early. Your, your father died early. Your grandfather died early. You're going to die early too. You need an answer for that other than calling the funeral home and making arrangements ahead of time. <laughs> you might want an answer. You might want to say things like, no, with long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. No, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. No. So in other words, you need a thought for that. You know, your whole family has a, an addiction problem. You're going to have an addiction problem too. You might want an answer for that. Instead of, oh no. Well, I guess. How about this? How about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Does this make sense? That when, when darts come, we need answers. You know, we have a healing class here that, that meets right before this service. And one of the things that we do over and over and over and over again is help people who are going through and fighting. Many of them are fighting for their life. And we've seen, we've seen people healed of cancer. We've seen he, people healed of horrible things. But one of the best things we can do is we help people keep their shield of faith up because fiery darts are coming all the time. You need something to block them. Listen, guys, you can't walk through this life without having some kind of protection. Some of you carry weapons. 
Don't, don't raise your hand. I don't want to see it now. I've told people for a long time, I said, if somebody ever starts to shoot me, I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to duck. I'm going to hit the floor. I'm probably going to look like a screaming little girl because I'm not worried about the guy trying to shoot me. I'm worried about all the people trying to shoot him. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, you, it's, it's you guys I'm worried about. I got grandmas pulling their gun. No, they don't. You're not, not my pastor. <clears throat> Some of you won't drive to Houston without carrying something with you in the car. And I'm not, this is not a, this is no indictment on concealed carry. The idea is we think protection when we go into dangerous areas. Why don't we think protection when we live in a dangerous world? So the idea is we don't have to be unprotected. But you need something beside a hope and a prayer. You need something beside a wish or a rabbit's foot or positive vibes. <laughs> you might want a shield of faith yes. that you pick up and go, the Lord's helping me. Your marriage is not going to make it. You might want an answer for that. No. He said he would never leave me or forsake me. And I can boldly say the Lord is my helper. And I'm not going to fear what's going to happen to me. The shield of faith. Big topic. I probably need to, I probably just need to do a series on it. But the, but the idea is this, guys. Please watch. Don't talk Coronavirus. Don't talk you're going to get it. Don't talk you're afraid of it. Talk the Lord's going to help me. Yes. We're going to come through this. We pray over this building. We pray over this. I, as much prayer as we pray over this, I, I think it's one of the safest places. Bless you. I, I believe that. I believe this is one of the safest places you can be in. As I step boldly away from the guy who just knew. All right. How many of you? I said run smart. Not, don't, get stuck on, don't get stuck on scared. We're not stuck on scared. We're stuck on God's going to help us. Take the, take the 91st Psalm this week. Read it. Just read it out loud. It's a powerful song. And you read it over your children. Say, well, I don't want to. <laughs> well, don't. <laughs> I'm your pastor, not your master. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your goodness and we're grateful that you did not leave us helpless. Father, I thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you, Father. We also have a shield of faith that we are a protected people, that your angels encamp all around those who fear you and deliver them. And we thank you for that. Father, I thank you for everyone right now who's dealing with the fear, Father, of, of sickness and the fear of virus. And I ask you, Father, to speak peace to their heart and to allow them to know they are not alone and not helpless. Said your bowed and eyes are closed if you came this evening and said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I know that. Or I used to. And I've gotten away from him and I want to come back. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front where we're going to pray. If that's you and you would like our prayers, would you just slip your hand up across the auditorium? Just ask me, would you pray for me? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. 
Thanks. Anyone else? Thank you. Yeah. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand in one or two, you can still pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. You pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray. Say, dear, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. We rejoice with those who've come home. Rejoice with those who've come back. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.